Well, my name is Philip Hartman, and I'd like to introduce you to some of my characters. Mr. Music? It was midnight when it happened. I was parked in front of Four Fingers of Bourbon at the Swanee Club on La Brea Avenue. I just don't understand. And you don't need to understand. I'm the president. Only I need to understand. Is that clear? Yes, sir. Hello. I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from such movies as Cry Yuma and Here Comes the Coast Guard. Instantly freezes any intruder in his tracks till authorities arrive. Once paralyzed, the victim can be searched, disarmed, even humiliated at whim. Yes, you haven't lived until you pants the catatonic cat burglar. But wait, there's more. Of course, I didn't snap completely till last night. Check this out. Bernardo, Marcellus, and Horatio come to me and they say, Hammy, sit down. Your dad's been making nightly post-mortem appearances in the West Wing. I says, Bernie, fellas, you're jacking me around. They say, no. Mr. Simpson, I was just going through your garbage and I couldn't help overhearing that you need a babysitter. Of course, being a highly skilled attorney, my fee is $175 an hour. We pay $8 for the night and you can take two popsicles out of the freezer. Three. Two. Okay, two. And I get to keep this old birdcage. Done. Still got it. Today we have Dave Chacho, who is normally our audio producer, but he is also normally a funny, funny guy. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm receiving the curse of the information you're about to <laughs> burden me with. This hour and a half, or whatever it turns out to be, of us talking to you is the curse. <laughs> yeah. And then later on, Lori oh, no, shows up delight. at your house. While you're asleep. Yeah. The curse is a delight. <laughs> I just show up. I don't do anything weird. I just show up. Which, you know, <laughs> you in and just of come itself to my is house. unpleasant. Yeah. I just briefly open my eyes and you two are just standing in my yeah. bedroom and then in the morning you're gone and nothing happens. Yeah. We're floating there like a Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever just had somebody come over to your house unannounced? I mean, it's very yes, unpleasant. It's so annoying. Uh-huh. It's like the weirdest thing. And you're just like, well, I feel like I should be nice to you, but also I kind of want you to leave. I have huh. I have friends who uh who will be like on their way purposely and then call me five minutes when them being here and be like hey is it cool if I come over I'm like five minutes away but no is this scheduled yeah, yeah no it's <laughs> never scheduled it's like fuck off I'm busy in this day and age yeah. you got to schedule hangouts yeah I don't yeah I'm really it's lucky the, it's not the 90s anymore you don't just drop in I know right. Yeah, I never want that house. I never want that friend's house where, like, hey, everybody oh. just yeah, drops in. The Seinfeld house like and kids, the friend's house. Yeah, kids just show up and they're just like, hey, Mrs. R. Yeah, it's like, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know you. I'm probably doing something that is pretty weird anyway, so just don't just show up. Oh, send yeah. me an iCalendar invite at least a day in advance. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Not Give me some time. Or decline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I was always deathly afraid that uh, any kid that I was near, any stranger that that would somehow die in my vicinity, and then I'd have to explain what I was doing. And I was just like, <laughs> so I just had like this weird fear. Like anytime anybody showed up, even as a teenager, like friends would show up in the neighborhood unexpected, and I'd be like, oh god, if you die, <laughs> <laughs> I'm responsible for your life yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be hard for me to explain to your parents. <laughs> It's similar to something um, that me and Cash do. And my mom does it, too. I grew up with it. Like, 
we always clean the house before we leave, like on a trip or anything. And it's you would think it's just because you could come home to a nice house. But the way my mom taught it to me is she was always like, if a thief or if a thief comes to your home, at least you'll have a clean home. Or if, you know, if you die in your home, at least when the paramedics show up, you would you would not be considered filthy. Death. That's the reason. That's yeah. the wear wear clean underwear thing. But I'm like, I, I don't care if if I'm dead. I don't care if the paramedics yeah. have to see my dirty underwear, my skin marks, yeah, and my period stains. How I would dare say, you judge me. I would I'm say the dead. thing I'd be worried I'm about dead. is that I wouldn't be dead. Is that uh-huh. I'd be like near consciousness, and they'd be like, "Oh God, she smells," and then I would die. <laughs> and that would be like the last thing I would hear before it. So I mean, if I'm dead already, I don't give a shit. What if they're like, you hear them whispering we could save her but i don't want to i think she's got dirty underwear yeah, on yeah. so i mean she's let's basically just, dead let's just let her die. Yeah, yeah she's better off <laughs> speaking of death <laughs> speaking, you're it. always speaking it. of With death the segues yeah um speaking of death today's topic is bryn hartman third wife of comedian and legendary actor phil hartman now, what made you want to do this topic? Because you were, we pick, we go through turns picking topics, and then yes. um, you were kind of giving like a rundown of the three that you were thinking, and then like out of left field, you were like, I think I'm going to do Bryn Hartman. Honestly, it popped into my mind because it's, she's been a person I wanted to research for a while, um, because I remember it always stuck with me when I found out that Phil Hartman was dead. Because I found out way later. I was one of those people, like, you know, when you hear, like, that dude died, like, seven years ago. And you're like, uh-huh. what? Yeah. It was that. Because I remember I had mentioned, I don't remember to who anymore, but I had mentioned Troy McClure. And I was like, man, Phil Hartman is hilarious. Yeah, why didn't so they do funny. more yeah, Troy what, McClure what hap- stuff anymore on The what Simpsons? What happened to him? And then they were like, he died. His, what happened to his career? What'd you his think career's happened? been really was like stalling. Raising alpacas or something like what? <laughs> yes, I think that would have been very nice. I did think that. I did think, just think like ah, he just got tired he of Hollywood and retired, retired to solving and which I think is what he would have done. Honestly, uh, learning so much about him, like researching this, I think he I don't would've. know. But maybe eventually. I think event. Yeah, no, not like because he was already the, kind of the getting heartbreaking up there. thing is. Not yeah, but he was he was in his forties. I think he was yeah. forty nine or something. Um, he had a lot more. He had so yeah. much oh, yeah. more, but I think that eventually, because they say that he was really introverted. Yeah. Um. So I think eventually he would have been one of those guys to just kind of like live in his house in Encino and just like maybe do parts for The Simpsons from home. Mm-hmm. And then you know, like other nights, like I, I have totally all my money. He was a voice in the Simpsons. He was in a lot of voices yeah. in the Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's based on that. He was also a hobbyist too. Like he, I watched, I listened to a Joe yeah. Rogan podcast. Oh, sorry, we're, no, are no, no, no. Discuss that. No, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah, we are. Okay, kind of. Yeah. Go for um, it. but he would like read about like uh, he wanted to become an uh, flying airplane, so he'd just read up on it and he yeah. he just take flying lessons and stuff. And it's just so he's a He's one of those people who, like, you know, when he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. So. Yeah, for sure. I took flying lessons. You did? Yeah. So you, what was I that actually, like? I got my pilot's license when I was in my 20s. Seriously? For a small Incredible. engine. Yeah. Wow. Um, because I used to work at an airport, and they gave me um, discounts on lessons, and I, I always liked the, 
airplanes. I used to be when I started my first started college, I was an aeronautical engineer, so like uh, you know, doing the math, the airplane math basically job. Um, I never actually did that job in real life, but I was I was into it in my early 20s. Um, so yeah, me and Phil, I feel like we got Are you both <laughs> We got a lot in common. Also married to a swimsuit model who's kind of taken a, a turn. <laughs> Not yet, okay. but I have my so, okay Cupid profile so, out there. Oh, okay. And I'm looking for a bipolar unstable <laughs> model with a gun. Okay. And so if you're out there. <laughs> wow. Hold That's on oddly sec. specific. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna move my mic. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, I remember when it happened. I, I'm um I'm in my forties, so when I it was ninety eight I was uh something, alive, twenties, mid twenties. Um yeah, and I was I, I was really uh it was it was really one of those really hard ones to take because I was a big, you know, comedy fan and SNL fan yeah. and Simpsons fan. It was like, you know, like when Robin Williams died a few years back. It was like one of those that just kind of dominated my mind for a long time. This one must have been not harder, but just like way more shocking in the, in the mm-hmm. I guess in a different way. So, okay, so on May 28th, 1998, Bryn Hartman entered the master bedroom of her and Phil Hartman, opened a lockbox that contained a thirty eight handgun, and shot Phil three times while he slept. Jeez. At like 3 a.m. or At something? At 3.25 a.m. So she yeah. was like out partying or something? And- we'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then a few hours later, so not right away, but a few hours later, after a whole slew of actions that she took uh, that we'll get to, she, uh, she laid down next to her husband just as police had entered the house and puts the gun in her mouth. Or puts a different gun in her mouth that they also had because he was a hobbyist and one of his hobbies was guns. Well, uh, let that be a lesson to you, boys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if your hobby is guns, just have a hobby for one gun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe or, you know, not not if you know that your if your partner your, your partner yeah. has of whatever gender is, is taking uh, SSRI inhibitors exactly. and has bipolar disorder. Maybe no guns. I like how you were super. There's actually like, no LGBT. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, hey, everybody's cray cray. Yeah. So just guard yourself. I've, I've dated crazy be... people, but there's a lot of I know a lot of crazy dudes too. There's, uh, yeah. So oh, yeah. I know it's not it's not gender specific to yeah. have a crazy partner in life. And just to um, that's actually a misnomer that she had bipolar. She was not. She was not bipolar. She was not bipolar. But um, depression, right? Because she she, she had, was taking. Yeah, she had a. a Zola. Exactly. So later, like years after it all happened, doctors would say she didn't have bipolar. Like she wasn't bipolar and she didn't even have like an extreme form of depression. She had dysthymia, which is like low grade depression, basically. Really? Yeah. And the Zoloft exacerbated her symptoms. And she was, she did have, you know, the mental illness of addiction too. Yeah. Which comes up during during the killing, um, during so the like, murder suicide. That's pretty, that's like a it seems like her doctor's fault. Like totally, a lot of it if, was they if sued your the depression's doctor. not that bad, and you have an addiction to chemicals, you shouldn't be giving them 
more chemicals. Well, this was the 80s. And it still happens today, you know. And it, we're talking about Hollywood doctors, you know, like they yeah. fix a problem. Did with she a pill. have Michael Jackson's doctor? Mm, my good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. also I know at that time too, it was it was also big on like the the drug of the month sort of thing and Zoloft was pretty popular. So I feel like mm-hmm. it and it's it's the same now, but I feel like it's people are more widely aware of it now and doctors are more mm-hmm. um I guess reticent to prescribe medications but back then it was like well zoloft is like a all encompassing depressant you know exactly yeah they just thought it was a a fix-all and it was pushed a lot i think it was on commercials on tv yeah yeah are you mildly depressed and married to an ssl snl alumni yeah (laughs) who ignores try zoloft weirdly specific commercials (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) towards phil hartman it was like okay Um, so just for, I guess, like any listeners who aren't that familiar with Phil Hartman, I'll do a brief, um, background on him because it, you know, he did so much that you can't name it all. Um, he was, uh, he was on SNL. He was on SNL for eight years from 1986 from 1994. But before that, he got, uh, big doing the Pee Wee Herman show and Pee Wee's Big Adventure he co-wrote that movie. He kind of he created he the co-created the whole character, the TV show, and the character yeah. at Groundlings, right? You would also recognize Phil from later on from House Guest with Simbad. <laughs> yeah, the I Dana Carvey that. that. The Dana Carvey show and yeah. Coneheads, and like we mentioned earlier, a bunch of voices on The Simpsons, including uh, Troy McClure, which was the uh, you might remember me as that guy. Mm-hmm. Lionel Hutz. remember me from such things as yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, he even did Charlton Heston for The Simpsons. I uh-huh. didn't know that one. Oh, that's one. A lot of uh, he was he was nicknamed the Man of a Thousand Voices, but he joked that he only had about a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> what a loser! <laughs> yeah. Gosh. So <laughs> and uh, news radio is a refresh. News radio, news radio. Yeah, yeah, that was a big one. Or yeah, and. and uh, he was he had a successful career in um music uh, graphic arts graphic design yeah really? before he was mm-hmm. on SNL he was uh he was really successful in it he he earned his degree uh from CSUN in 1974 CSU Northridge for graphic arts and he made like amazing covers for America and Steely Dan Oh wow! And he made like the Celtic logo, the Celtic logo. Sorry for Crosby, Stills and Nash. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before he ever he ever became an actor, he knew like, he was already living comfortably. He had a house in like Sherman Oaks, I think, already before. Yeah. Before, before SNL. Before well, SNL was sick. like he way got later comedy on. Late in life. Yeah. Right? So, well, he got in that. Yeah, well, specifically SNL. He didn't get an S. He didn't get SNL until he was like. Um, I think 40, forty or thirty nine. No, nah. thirty eight. Thirty at thirty eight, he got SNL. So I before it was like that, twenty eight or thirty. No, no. he um, thirty eight. Yeah, yeah, because at twenty seven, he, he um might, went into the Groundlings. He went to go see a show at the Groundlings, and that was uh-huh. the first time he got on stage because he was waiting for the show to start. Uh, everybody was obviously, and he got on stage and he started doing his voices kind of in front of people for one of the first times ever. And so the Groundlings, like one of the Groundlings actors, like somebody's making people laugh out there. (laughs) (laughs) And they go check who it is. And it's Phil. And then he asked to join the Groundlings. 
See, wow. that's the one thing that frustrates me is that he was like, can I join the Groundlings? And they were like, yeah. It's like, I went through like 27,000 fucking classes. Right. Yeah, but the Groundlings back then was like the pack now. Like it was like, a, you know, like a... You just had to be funny in the audience to get <laughs> yeah, asked right? to go exactly. in. I knew that. <laughs> they were I've like been no. funny in the audience so many times <laughs> at Groundlings. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am like the ju- people constantly are telling me to shut up because I'm too funny <laughs> in the audience. Yeah. They're always shushing me. I'm so funny. <laughs> I will say that one thing that I thought was really cool. I am a I'm a huge Kathy Griffin fan. Um, not many people are, but I like, uh, her. I like but her. I'm in a huge but. Uh, her audio, her her book. She talks about how when she first start when she first um, moved up to LA and she um, went to the Groundlings and she saw somebody there who's like super funny. She went like barged backstage and was like, "I think you're great. I want to take classes here." And that person like walked her through the whole step, introduced her to the person who taught the schools, did every, you know helped her sign up, and that was Phil Hartman. And I think that's Aww. so cool that, like, he took time to, like, you know, first off, this crazy person's, like, mm-hmm. you know, boring at you. And it's like, I want to take classes. You're oh funny. My oh, my God. Oh, yeah. my God. That's my that's, 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 that's all I got for Kathy Griffin. Yeah. <laughs> that is a pretty good Kathy Griffin. <laughs> and I think she's funny, but she is pretty crazy. And it would probably be, she'd oh, probably God. be, like, she'd probably be right an in imposing his face force about right yeah. in your if face. She, and a young her with her energy and excitement, yeah. like, oh, that would be terrifying. Yeah. If you did that now, you would get kicked out of any theater and <laughs> yeah. just like escorted she, out. Yeah. <laughs> people, I mean, people come up to me after shows and go, how do I, you know, do that? Take yeah. classes or whatever. Yeah, but they don't go, oh my but God, then, oh my God, oh my God. Not, I want it like, like while you're changing yeah. in a dressing Griffin, room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah. So Phil joined the Groundlings. And he started developing his characters. He met Paul Rubens, who plays Pee Wee, Pee Wee Herman, obviously, and a bunch of other people. Victoria Jackson. Oh, no. So Victoria Jackson was from SNL. Um, but yeah, he met a bunch of other people. She went crazy. She, Can you do a podcast yeah. about her? I guess she hasn't killed know. anyone yet. Yeah. Technically, yet. We she could. did. Is she a Scientologist? She's that, a crazy Republican. I think like a born again Christian yeah. and ultra right wing Republican. Mm. Yeah. I think mm. there's something about like blonde women where the older and fatter <laughs> they get, the the more conservative they are. Like it's like when they're younger and they're skinny and they're hot, they're like, whatever, love's love. But then when they, yeah, as right? they get older and they're they get fatter, they're like, No, everybody needs to suffer. Like, <laughs> that's just, like Britain. That sounds like well that's like, like Midwest white women or, or men people I grew up with and went to high school with in the Midwest yeah. are like that now. Fat and Republican and yeah. angry. And scared. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all those things except for Republican. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. Well, one day. <laughs> one day, man. I'm fat and scared. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> it's mainly because I keep showing up unannounced. <laughs> I think that's what's scary. That's me. the scary part. Um, so before Bryn, Phil had two wives. He married Gretchen Lewis in 1970. And they only were married for two years. He was married twice before? Yeah. And then Lisa Strain, who was the more notable one, the one that talks uh, about him. You don't hear anything really from Gretchen Lewis. She, um, what do you mean talks about him? Did she uh, write? Um, she didn't write did about interviews? him. But like she, there's interviews with her. Like in the E! True Hollywood story, she's, she's in it. She talks very openly about um, 
what the relationship was like and also the communications they had like when he was married with Brynn because they were like sometimes like there was one time where Brynn wrote Lisa a letter Lisa wrote Phil and Brynn a letter congratulating them on their birth on the birth of their one of their kids I forget if it was their first or their second kid and she said she just said nice things according to Lisa because we we don't know but I'm sure that you wouldn't write a letter out of nowhere being like Congratulations on your kid. You still suck as a husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your kid has a penis that kid forehead. Is ugly. Yeah. <laughs> um, baby's ugly. And then Bryn wrote her back a three-page letter that was basically just threatening her and telling her that if she ever came close to her or to Phil, that she would kill her and like break her legs and this and that. Jesus Christ. Jeez. And then Lisa called phil but then at the bottom was like thank you for the kind words yeah (laughs) will you be the kid's godmother (laughs) um so but did she say phil was difficult yes so um i wanted to mention that before you we run it or we jump into brent so that's perfect uh good job buddy (laughs) (laughs) because i got the feeling i i just um I watched a little bit of an interview with Bryn and Phil, and he kept saying, oh, you know, I'm terrible to live live with, but this is, he said, I've screwed things up in the past, but this time it's, you know, this is my third wife, but I'm going to stay with her forever. Um, And and I just got this feeling like, I wonder if he's kind of a dick in private or or at least sort of closed off or something. The answer is very much yes. (laughs) And it Uh starts with Lisa... That's kind of the first thing she talks about when they uh, interview her um, is that while he was like the life of the party kind of on stage, he was very introverted in the house. When they were married, he didn't want to, he never wanted to go out. And she was very much like, let's go out, let's go have fun. You know, when they met, he fell in love with her. One, because she was super hot. That's how he picked his women. Like he... When he, like, would talk about Lisa, he would be like, she doesn't have an ounce of fat on her body. That was the number one thing that she said about her. And then it was that she was, like, spunky. That doesn't sound healthy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Especially if it's like, what do you love about your girlfriend or your wife? She doesn't have an ounce of fat on her body. Yeah. And that was the first thing he said. He was, like, very much (laughs) about how hot the wife was, which I think affected Bryn a lot the the whole time. his wedding vows. (laughs) (laughs) I will love you as long as you don't have a single ounce of fat (laughs) on you. (laughs) Your measurements must stay the same. Yeah. Forever and ever. Or grow smaller. He was very closed off emotionally, um, and he was—he also seemed to have like inconsistency. So at first, when him and Lisa were married, um, they were very—they had a, like a very open relationship in terms of like, I love this woman, I love this man. Like one time at a wedding, um, they were like making out and dancing like a lot, like in a, like a. a Inappropriate, inappropriate amount for like a wedding. Like, <laughs> and she wore a like a wedding is basically just dancing. No, but so. like making out, like you know, like pro- dry humping. What oh. I would imagine would be like dry humping on the dance floor and stuff. God, and she had, she had like a um, a see through dress on. Oh, <laughs> and I remember that. And he had a see through tuxedo. <laughs> he had a see through tuxedo. <laughs> it was really gross. Watching him make out. <laughs> <laughs> it was basically sex. They were having sex. Yeah, <laughs> and um. And he would like twirl her around and be like, "Look at that!" You oh, know, to, like God. other people. 
Um, but then that kind of like changed at some point. And this, like, Lisa and him weren't married for that long. They were married for three years before they, like, divorced. Um, the uh, first one was, like, two years, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he he started to get really jealous. She started to, like, wonder if she should get into acting, you know? And so he told her no, that he didn't want her in it because she, he didn't want her around young guys. And then there was this one time where she was talking to an old guy friend for like 40 minutes at a party because there's nobody else she knew besides phil and they get in the car and he's screaming at her about like how he embarrassed she embarrassed him by like talking to this other guy and this and that so he was he got really jealous with lisa and he he wasn't like a really great husband from any from like what lisa says in terms of like he didn't want to go out they never had sex they had sex like really? two times a year. You would think that like he would he would be doing that too in order to just make sure that he's having sex. You know, like yeah. I don't want to no. go out. Let's just stay in and have sex. What's the point of marrying someone so hot? I know exactly. Yeah, <laughs> sequestering them. <laughs> you're just what do you be, just stare at each you're other? Just taking them out of the gene pool? Yeah, you just <laughs> literally look at her the whole time. <laughs> Standa. Yeah. Just it, it's I just want to <laughs> lay there with you. one eye open, going, "Yep, she's really hot." <laughs> <laughs> I got her to sleep oh, next to me. Eventually, I'll. Have sex with her. <laughs> he have, he has like a life size trophy pedestal for her to stand on. Oh <laughs> the my whole god! Time. I literally, <laughs> I'm having a hard time sleeping on this pedestal. Yeah, right. Stay, stay up there. Stay still. <laughs> yeah. Don't embarrass me. <laughs> I wonder. That seems like it must come from a deep insecurity to like care so much about the physical uh, looks of her, and then like have no sex life. Yeah. I think that also, yeah, I think it goes to, like, his portrayal of, like, look how great of a, per- a man I am. I get this hot woman. That was very much yeah. it. That was, a lot of people said that about Phil, that he cared m- more about the way people looked at him when Bryn would enter the room um, than he really cared about the marriage mm-hmm. itself, you know? This is Lisa or this is Bryn now? That's both of them. Oh, like, okay. like, when that, like he, he only had hot girlfriends, hot wives. They were all super hot, at least by, like, normal standards. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he always just cared about the status of that. Which, FYI, I mean, not for nothing, but Phil Hartman isn't exactly, like, he's not ugly by any stretch of the imagination. No. No. But he's also not, like, a rock star. No, but he's a funny guy and a funny guy with money after after a while. I I didn't mean rock star. I meant, like, he doesn't have, like, a rock and bod. He's not like a Tom Cruise where he's just, like, does he ever age? But yeah, like, but yeah. I mean, like the, the funny. But he was handsome guys, enough, yeah, and rich and funny and yeah. successful on TV. But so I'm, I'm sure he had yeah. a lot of, yeah. Um, and he was very charming. Like interested. everybody called him the nicest guy in the room. I think that probably the also the sex stuff probably had to do with his own inac- inadequacies too, as far as like he looks at her and then he looks at himself and he's just like, well, you know, I'm not. She's like a essentially like a prize more to be adored than than to be like coveted sort of thing. And like the whole Madonna. Yeah. Um, what is it? Whore. 
Atomic yeah, like War a, Complex. A hard complex. What is that? It's a pretty easy. Is that a thing? Yeah, it's, it's basically men uh, men put women into oh. two categories. Madonna, which is like the virgin mother, like woman, like godly woman who takes ca- takes care of you, and the whore, who like yeah. is sort of like the betrayer. And, and every like conservative man wants a woman that's a. Ma- ma- that seems like a Madonna in public and is a whore in private. Or or, yeah. or they have, that's why they have like the two, like the mistress. And or they then have like, they the never side, have sex yeah. with their wife. They only like fuck the mistress all the time. Yeah, because they can separate the two and be like, well, this woman's the whore. So she's the one who just is like, all she cares about is sex. Yeah. And then my, the like, uh, uh, you know, they have the big thing about like men, certain men can't, like once a woman gives birth, certain men just can't. Like that's the mother of my children. I yeah, can't, I can't contemplate. Can't get in there anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like <laughs> men are fucking weird. I love that. Can't get in there. Anymore. Can't get in there anymore. Oh. That door's shut. Our, our baby, our baby was Deadbolt. in there. I can't yeah. put it in. I can't do that. <laughs> Gross. Oh, that was our baby's first oh. room. How did that even get in there? <laughs> what will God think if I put my penis where the baby was? <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> I think we beat we we beat up. Okay, so Bryn Hartman, <laughs> um, Bryn Hartman was born Brim Brim Omdahl was her maiden name, and she was born Vicky Joe Omdahl in Thief River, River Falls, Minnesota. Sorry, I can't roll my R's tonight. Uh, on April eleventh, nineteen fifty, River of Falls. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that River. needed to be rolled. Omdahl <laughs> <laughs> was her name. Yeah, Brindal, okay. German, right? Omdal, O M O M D A H L. Omdal. Well, then how did she get Brind? Who knows? I think it was just that Brind. one of the things that she chose. Oh, it might when be she Scan- moved. like Northern European, Scandinavian, because Brind sounds like a okay. like a Swedish or Norwegian name or something. I think it was just something that she saw in like a magazine when she moved to LA and chose that. Oh, she did she pick that name? I think so. It doesn't. Yeah, I actually don't have any notes on whether or not she like. It she, doesn't say it in the one snap. Because she was, she came to L.A. to be a model actress, so it's normal to change your name. Sure. What was yeah. her given name? I, I Vicky Joe. Oh, Vicky. Which you cannot say without at least have, spinning out some form of tobacco. Vicky Joe. Vicky Joe. Drool it. <laughs> Even the snapped. The snap. Uh, if you never watch it, has like a very like. And she was talking to her, you know, like a very, and even then she'd be like, and Vicky Jow, like, like just a, such a Southern name. They like, <laughs> make her seem like such a hick. Yeah. She does seem more like a Vicky Joe now that I think about it. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally with like, yeah, with her personality. Anyways, uh, I loved in the, the E! News story. They describe her as an M-A-W. They're like, she moved to Hollywood to become a M-A-W, a model, actress, whatever. She didn't know what she wanted. <laughs> I thought it was waitress. <laughs> a model, actress, waitress. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> model, model, actress, actress whatever. Whatever. Um, what did they think would be after that? Did they think model, actress, neuroscientist? Like, what did they think she was trying to accomplish there? Well, what, there's, <laughs> what the guy was saying is that, and what a lot of people said too is that she never knew what she wanted she was like one week she was like i'm an actress the next week she was i'm a model i'm a writer oh and then when she had the kids she was like i'm solely dedicated to being a mother so she's like every hollywood actress now (laughs) (laughs) i guess well i think a lot of people that 
that marry that you know try to marry rich successful people yeah it's because they don't know what they want to do they don't know what they want to do and they're not willing to they don't have to yeah anything they don't have to do anything i mean it's up in the air whether bryn at first later on in life she obviously does not know discipline and therefore never accomplishes anything but at first you can't really tell if it's like that she's not willing to put in the work or it just she gets you know kind of fucked over as hollywood tends to do so um she comes here she comes here she gets work uh, as a model uh a little bit she doesn't really get work as an actress and then quickly like I would say, what was it like a year and a half or two years after moving here? She gets, she starts getting addicted to, um, coke and alcohol. Oh, boy. So it doesn't even take long for her to like get into that scene. Yeah, it doesn't take long. And like yeah. she, she gave up fast. So I guess I answered my own question. Like she, she didn't try very hard. She's like, Oh my God, I didn't get any rolls today. So <laughs> where's my coke and alcohol? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> where's my ah. blow? Johnny. so quickly she's addicted to that she goes to rehab she gets better she stays sober for a while before this was before she was married to phil yeah this was still before she was married to phil she had already gone through this this was in her 20s and but then she starts getting addicted to plastic surgery like straight out of rehab she starts doing plastic surgery um that's way grosser than coke (laughs) yeah she should have just stuck with cocaine yeah getting cut up (laughs) <laughs> yeah fun. god's plastic surgery cocaine <laughs> and then she does very slowly <laughs> changes <laughs> the shape of your nose yeah <laughs> um hollows it out then when she was 29 and he was 39 they meet um at a party and she was complaining to the guy that introduces them that there are no good guys left in hollywood because uh, you know they're always she said that to him she That's said such that a to line. the middle guy to the the Kind of like the in-between guy mm-hmm. who then introduced him, introduced her to Phil <laughs> at that same party. Speaking think, of not good guys. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I was, do you think he meant as a joke like, hey, this guy's a real shithead. <laughs> like, <laughs> she took it a totally different way. Like, oh, she didn't understand my joke. <laughs> <laughs> so they meet. They immediately fall in love, quote unquote. He calls it being glamorized. Phil does. He literally says, I was glamorized. Oh, gross. Because she was so beautiful, according to him. That's like Uh, the worst ways to say things. Yeah. Yeah, he was not gentle with his words to women. That just shows like he's he's thinking of the relationship as how it makes him look better. That's literally what what that sort of indicates. Yeah. All, All about the superficial like appearances of everything nothing nothing like it wasn't like he was like oh we had a deep conversation and we talked for hours it was like yeah no, absolutely super not. hot absolutely not yeah and that and people would even say that um she never did any of the talking when they were together he did all the talking he did all the schmoozing she barely ever talked um well i will say as somebody who talks a lot in a relationship sometimes that's not terrible (laughs) but it it also if she's trying to be a model or an actress or whatever and she's trying to become a part of this life that he's a part of that's up to her you know to schmooze and 
make the connections if that's what she's trying to do. Oh, I thought you meant like when they were talking, she would be the one to be like, she would be like, oh, yeah, good point. And he would just keep talking. No, no, no. She just never talked to anybody else. Oh, okay. Never mind. She was like, hi. I was just saying, because my, with my girlfriend, I, I tend to be the one, I know it's shocking, but I go on a lot of rambling stories, <laughs> so I tend to be the one who talks a lot. My girlfriend's just like, yeah, okay, cool, yeah. And I have to be like, oh, you haven't talked in an hour. I should probably <laughs> let you say something. <laughs> that sounds like your own problems. Yeah. <laughs> That's I would say those are, about, those, are, right? those are more mild than Brennan Phil's. Uh, well, <laughs> if Star shoots you, let me know. I will. You'll be the first person. Yes. Please call us immediately. I will. If your girlfriend shoots you. I, you know what? I'll tell her. I'll tell her if you shoot me, if you kill me, you got to call Maria <laughs> and Chacho. Those are the two people. Yeah. So they meet, they get married. Um, they get married. Nobody ever officially says it, but they get married because she got pregnant. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they were having sex then. They were they were having sex. At least the once. <laughs> At least sure. the twice because they end up having two kids. Yeah, two kids. Um. So those were the two times in like. <laughs> but Phil already had like, like two kids or something. Didn't no, he? he didn't have any kids. He didn't have any kids from before. No, I really thought he did. Okay. Um. Yeah. They, he had them later on in life. So, um, he gets SNL. They move to New York together. She's happy to put her career on hold. Because, uh, you know, your husband just got a part in SNL, so understandably she's like, yes, I'll move to New York. He had actually turned down SNL before before being with Bryn and during, like, kind of like the transition from his second wife, like, divorce. Mm-hmm. He had turned down SNL the first time because he didn't want to, A, move to New York, which is insane to me, like, no, well, I don't want to move there. I don't want to do. I don't want to move there, so I'm not going to do SNL. But also, when that was his number one goal, you're older and you're more. You have already have a career that's making you money. Yes, mm-hmm. very much so. The way I saw an interview that he did, and he said, uh, uh, "It was Howard Stern." Howard Stern asked him, uh, "You turned down SNL?" And he said, "No, no, no, no. That was a rumor. I never turned down SNL, but I didn't go for it when all my friends were like when." When Paul Rubens was like going to try to get on SNL, and all the Groundlings friends and were John Lovitz and, and stuff. John Lovitz, yeah. yeah. Uh, Phil could have applied and gone to New York and auditioned, but he said, "Nah, I'm happy here. I'm not going to audition." Basically, yeah. So it's not like oh, okay. they offered it to him and he okay. passed, but he kind of like. I think there's weird, conflicting information because in one interview that I was listening to. Lauren Michaels is said, or it's, it is said that Lauren Michaels said Lauren or Phil could have gotten like a part, but he didn't want to. So maybe that's what that meant, and it's just like the truth yeah. being stretched. Like if he would have come to, if he would have flown to New York and literally done the audition, he I would think have so. been hired. He would have gotten, but yeah. He didn't. Yeah. Also, so, Brynn agreed to give up her career. What career? Like, was yeah, she, yeah. she making? No, she wasn't doing anything. I think but it's safe she was to still assume. trying. Yeah. I mean, and maybe at the time she was still going on auditions and stuff. And we can assume that she was a terrible actor. Let's Yo, just, we let's just totally, make that canon. Yeah, yeah. Even though was, we haven't seen her act, let's just assume that. So they, yes. uh, so they're in New York. You know, she has the two kids while they live there. He's working his ass off at like SNL. 
Um, she just, she starts getting resentful, obviously, because, like, he's a workaholic. He's, yeah. like, self-admitted to be a workaholic. And SNL is crazy hours. Yeah. And they have the kids. Um, and he was doing, wasn't he doing movies at the time? or, or Not yet. Before he died, he did a bunch of movies. Yeah. I think towards the end of, like, SNL, he started doing the movies. Um, they fought a lot, like, an incredible amount if like um there is there's a few examples there's one example where um ed bagley jr invites them while they're here in california he invites them when they first got together to his house in ojai and uh they're supposed to go up there for lunch then um they never show they don't show by like 9 p.m finally phil calls ed bagley jr and he's like I'm so sorry, like, me and Bryn, the girl I'm seeing, got into a huge fight, and we broke up, and I can't do this anymore, and, like, I'm so sorry, I'm not going to make it up there, and Ed's just like, okay, dude, I understand, no problem, (laughs) and then later on, exactly 10 years later, like, Ed Bigley Jr. invites them over again, (laughs) <laughs> for dinner he waited 10 whole years <laughs> he was like yeah he was angry with them for 10 years <laughs> yeah. and was like all right i'll give you he a looks chance. at his watch and he's like i guess it's been yeah, long enough i'll now. give him one more chance yes. so he tries it again and fool me once because <laughs> they never show huh? they phil Dear calls God. again phil calls again it's almost the same exact <laughs> thing is said Brent and i got into a fight we separated. Do you have a spare bedroom that I can sleep in tonight? And Ed is like, yeah, of course. Come on over. The door's open. Um, Phil never shows. Because they would just do this all the time. They would just fight and they would break up. And they would fight and they would break up. Um, she would do it to him during SNL all the time. There was one time where like, he got into an argument with her on the phone right before dress rehearsal on Friday. Uh, and then she, he's like upset. He's pissed off. He's in like the makeup chair. And then like, it's time to go on. And she shows up and just stands on the sidelines of the audience, like, and watches him. Scowling at him? Scowling at him. Oh no, that's the worst. <laughs> then they get into an argument in front of like the elevator. And then, um, he, he, like, she finally leaves. And then he goes back to the makeup chair and he tells the makeup artist, like, oh, well, I stayed off the divorce for now, but just this time. And it's like, they would do this literally all the time. Wow. They would fight nonstop. So, you know, if you're that friend that's watching this, you're like, dude. Yeah, Joe Rogan said in the podcast I listened to that they would fight when he was at news radio. And they would fight. And then he, one time they went on, they went on hiatus over the summer. And, like, they separated and they were... Like he was living in like a like a RV, um, like a renovated RV or something like that, and she was like living with the kids. And then um, when they came back, like they had reconciled like just recently, and he was just like, "Oh yeah, everything summer was great with my beautiful bride," and you know all of a sudden like totally was like you know made it seem like they they had the perfect relationship. Yeah, he would always call her things like my blushing bride and stuff. Like, even years into their marriage, which... That's weird. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> so Seems like silly. you're trying to convince yourself of something at Definitely. that point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, this is worth it. 
Yeah. Just go a little further. Like, my bride that doesn't have an addiction problem and is not abusive to me in any way whatsoever. <laughs> and who I have a lot of sex with. Yeah, all the time, every day. And look at her blush. And look at her blush. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't she lovely? <laughs> um, so this is how they would spend their years in New York. Fun. At, at one point, she got a part in a play. Like, she was always trying to, like, kind of do stuff here and there. I think probably when she, like, came out of her, like, I don't know, out of the mall or whatever the fuck she did. Um, the, mo- <laughs> the mall. <laughs> so she got out of Nordstrom. Oh, the mall. The mall? The mall. Uh, I thought you were bringing back mall, model actor, whatever. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. She was out there doing her mall. She was still mawing it up. Mawing it up. She, so at one point she got a part in a play, and then like before the play even opened, she went through all the rehearsals. Before it even opened, she just quit the play. Oh, my God. And said it Ugh. was to spend more time at home with the kids. Oh, I bet God. you, I guarantee you, it was like her part was like, Here's your seat, Mr. and Mrs. She Lincoln. Was the lead. Like, she was just the like, lead? she was the lead. She was the lead. And she quit? And she quit. That's a diva move. A, a lot of people said yeah. that she had really low self-esteem. Even her mom. No. Even and well, obviously. I but don't it, believe that. It was like she wore it, like she it wasn't even she couldn't even put a veil over it. Even she her mom. All the like, telltale signs of somebody who's super confident and is low. Is is is, is it still own. called low self esteem? If your esteem should be that low, yes. <laughs> She's kind of awful. Maybe is she had like the right regular, amount of esteem yeah. for herself. Is it like the self esteem that's appropriate for somebody of her situation? <laughs> <laughs> she had just right esteem. Yeah. Um, just right esteem. <laughs> yeah. Life's life's been shitty to you. So you have the just the right amount of self-esteem that people in your situation normally have. Yeah. <laughs> Take Zoloft. Well, I knew this this couple um, when I was living in Santa Barbara years ago, and the guy was a millionaire, and his wife, like, he's a really nerdy millionaire. There's no reason he would, he should have had a, uh, he had a gorgeous Russian wife who um, wanted to be a movie star. And he was spending his own money to make her a movie star. But she didn't want to be an actor. She didn't want to take lessons. She didn't want to do plays or, oh, okay. you know, make your dues and work your she way just up. She wanted to be she famous. She wanted to be a movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that woman was Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. She um, really came around. I know. Yeah, but I think there's an archetype that's like, uh, you know, it might stem from like low self-esteem, but high, you know, like a uh, need for approval where you don't want to do the steps and, you know, pay your dues. You just want to be, you know, yeah. a lot. Of, I think a lot of people that say they want to be actors really just want to be movie stars. Well, yeah, also it's, oh, sorry. I was just going to call her lazy. Oh, yeah. it's laziness. But also I think it's just, uh, it goes with the self-confidence where it's just an intense fear of rejection. So any kind of criticism, yeah. any kind of. You know, like I, I knew so many people in when I took improv classes who hated getting, you know, uh, notes because they felt like it was an attack on them. And it was just like they're not attacking you. They're telling you how you could do the scene better, how you can move forward. And, you know, so it's just like the certain people just think like, no, I know I know everything I need to know. So yeah. I'm good. And so anytime you kind of there's any hint that you might be correcting them, they view that as like, "Oh, you don't like me as a person." And so, yeah. And um, um 
like I know there's like a huge difference between like not being able to take constructive criticism and being lazy. And the only reason I call her specifically lazy is because once in a while when she would like get the urge again and Phil would try to help her with something, she wouldn't put any effort into it. There was one time where I think they had moved back to L.A. and he started trying to get her work as an actress again. He hooked her up with an agent at WME, which was his um, agency at the time. Mm-hmm. And so she goes in. The agent says, we need we need headshots, you know. And she's like, okay, fine. Never comes back with them. Um, they would give her auditions to go to that she wouldn't show up to. She just yeah. wouldn't, like, once this, well, like... Well, yeah, I guess you're right. That's I think I'm talking more on a... Uh, different plane i guess it's just pure just laziness of like what you guys are saying of just like not wanting to do the work necessary she yeah just like she was just like expecting that when she came in and said hey i'm phil hartman's wife i want to be an actress they were just like all right well we have a tv show yeah you know we can book you for we have you know just to kind of sign up for it so yeah she was like i think she had a lot of entitlement uh and then i think a lot of it came from being pretty or being considered pretty and that yeah. like she mm-hmm. knew, she probably felt like I guess it was a mix of both things. She probably felt like she didn't have much besides being pretty. Yeah. 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 Well when you're I told mean, all the time that when you're looks, like really pretty like me, it, yeah. it's easy to be entitled. Well, I think <laughs> yeah, like Dave Tacho <laughs> and his long that, blonde hair. But that's something that you've had to get used to is that, you know, you've had to find out that you do have other talents. You know, you're not just a hot body and a great pair of tits. Like you <laughs> Yeah, but it sounds like she wasn't hearing that from Phil. Yeah. She definitely was not hearing that from Phil. But that is and the she, problem is like when you are somebody who's told all the time that your your whole self-worth relies in your beauty. Yeah. Like that's then, why your husband loves you. Like that's why everything is possible in your life. That can become kind of I and, find it hard to sympathize with women like that only because like in my mind if I like say I was told my whole life that I was, you know, like just a wife and beautiful, but I had all this motherfucking money. Like I would just go to university all the time and learn a bunch learn, of stuff. Yeah. Learn anything I wanted to learn, travel anything travel anywhere I wanted to go. I think people there's something that's called imposter syndrome where people feel like they have a crippling fear of being found out to be a fraud, right? And if you're right, if everybody pays attention to you and gives you things for being beautiful, but then inside you're like, "Well, oh, I'm," but if you know, if I get up on that stage, I'm just gonna fuck it up, and then she doesn't go to the play or whatever. Yeah, maybe that's like it's, true. It's this crippling fear of like being found out that um, you don't have talent, which sounds like she did. Yeah, yeah. So she. Didn't do much ever. Um, but they did say that she was a really good mom. Everybody everybody said that. Up she until was she re- shot the phone. <laughs> Up until like she I shot the phone. That okay. takes away everything. A little. There's a lot of but negative mom points fair, there. I feel like that washes out a lot of... And like, they were, the kids were in the house. Like, okay, but they were asleep. We're okay. going to yeah. get to it. But oh, yeah, like it was a pretty bad mom move. But up until then, she yeah, was good. Like, did, I feel she, like you, you could wipe <laughs> your kids' butts, but you did kill their father. You know, like that's, you know... And mother. Yeah, yeah. And you killed yourself. So, I mean, it's like... I don't know. <laughs> well, to make up for what she was going to do, 
<laughs> she <laughs> she was she was really active in their lives. Obviously, it, she kind of just spent most of her time with them. And she had a nanny all the time, obviously, because they were rich. Um, one of the great facts that I learned was that they would say that she hired a bunch of nannies, like kind of in a row. She never kept the same nanny for too long. And they were always, they would call them plump. They're always fat nannies. Uh huh. And then they would say, So they wouldn't compete? <laughs> yeah, they would say they were always plump nannies because the Hartmans weren't, the Hartman men weren't known to like plump women. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Hartman men. Yeah. How many men are there? I don't know him. I think it's just one man that she's. I wonder what his dad his dad was like. Maybe his dad was a real douche. Yeah. Maybe. Old Hartman. <laughs> he had a, oh he had a brothers too right. He like, had a couple of brothers I think. Uh, or one because he least. said in an interview being fourth of something being oh, fourth yes. of seven yes. or something like yeah. that. Um, you you get to be a comedian because you're trying to get attention. Yeah, very true. I wonder if, like, his dad sat him down like, son, here's my words of wisdom for having a successful marriage. No fatties. <laughs> I made you a shirt. Yeah, no yeah. fatties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wear it when you marry your wife. <laughs> um, so they move back to L.A. after he's done uh, with his eight-year... <sighs> Eight years on SNL. So yeah, he retired from SNL, or he just he, he quit to go to LA and do he movies. He quit to I go guess. to LA and, and yeah, hit the big pond again. Um, and so in 1997, when Brynn is 40 years old, she relapses, and oh. it kind of like she gets back into both. She starts with alcohol, and then when you drink, according to the according to Brynn, like when you drink, you want to do coke, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, because coke kind of levels you out. Yeah. Drink alcohol makes you loopy, and then co- cocaine. I've heard, uh, like makes alcohol you, makes you sleepy and, sleep and like yeah. raises you up, and then you can drink more. Of course, yeah. So you feel like it kind of like is the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. But then that's how it easily gets crazy. Yeah. If you're doing, especially if it's hard alcohol. If you're doing hard alcohol and coke, then you're out of your mind. In yeah. A few Boy. hours. Now, did she? Uh, I don't know if, if we're going to be coming to something that you wanted to discuss, but did she, was that like, was her falling off point when she, Andy Dick gave her the cocaine or was that something? Yeah. Yes. Let's talk about it. it. Did Andy Dick do it? Andy Dick had a hand in it, but I, I'm on Andy Dick's side for this one. So uh-huh. at a party that, um, like it's just one of their, you know, one of their parties back here in LA. She's already drinking, so she's drinking at the party, right? And Andy Dick's there, and Andy Dick has coke because Andy Dick always has coke. Mm-hmm. So she knows probably everybody still to this day. True. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we could probably get his number now. In he, fact, yeah, <laughs> he's probably at the parlor room right now, yes. high on coke and hitting on somebody. Yeah, yeah. So she, um, one one party goer. Sees Bryn and Andy Dick go into a room and they close the door behind them. And then, like, according to this party goer, the party goer, like, knocks and knocks on the door and is screaming, Bryn, Bryn, but they don't open up. And then, like, next time he sees her, she looks all coked out. But then, when Andy Dick is asked about it, he has a very good point. It's like, look, if you want cocaine, 
you're going to go to the guy that you know has cocaine. And I didn't know anything about her past. And I kind of believe Andy Dick in that sense. Either he didn't know or he didn't care because it's not his problem to babysit this woman. <laughs> so Yeah. And that wasn't the night she killed him. That was, that was just not. earlier that was when she relapsed. Earlier. Yeah, that was and, way earlier. Because I remember there was a whole big dust up um, with Joe Rogan. Uh, I think they've made up now. But, you know, the whole news radio drama where Joe Rogan was saying that Andy Dick was the reason Phil was dead because he gave her coke. Yeah, because he kind of... was like... Uh, and John Lovitz I attacked did get, him at that party. Yeah. Oh, what happened? Did John, John Lovitz, have, like, after this, ha- yeah, after this happened, um, everybody could tell that Bryn was coked out. John Lovitz um, attacked Andy Dick. He, like, slammed his head into a table. Yeah. Jesus. Um, and because everybody, everybody knew, I guess, in that circle, like, don't give Brittany any drugs. She's a cokehead. She'll, you know, and Andy's freak out. Just kind of a dipshit. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. care. Like, yeah, I believe him. Like, he's never denied doing coke with her. I think no. um, I, I believe him that he he didn't realize that how addicted, how yeah. addictive she was or whatever. Well, I just don't think he. Puts that process, that thought process. I think he's just like, hey, I'm just here for a good time. And if you want a good time. Yeah. When you got drugs at a party yeah. and somebody says, yeah. can I have some drugs? You give them some drugs because yeah. you're buddies. I do yeah. that all the time. Exactly. Yeah. You don't think weed, like, usually, oh, they're yeah. going to go home and, you know, become addicted to it and then eventually kill their spouse. Yeah. Some, so however Unless it's like. PCP, in which case you do expect that. <laughs> yes. to happen. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So I, yeah, I, I agree with him on that point. I don't particularly like agree with a whole lot of what Andy Dick does ever. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, he's a whole but complicated case. Jesus um, I like a lot of his call. work in comedy, yeah. but he seems to be a freaking amazing a, a on literally insane and possibly sexual predator. News radio. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, recorded and sexual. Everybody has an Andy Dick story, I feel like. Yeah. Of like, so, of like being groped by, especially There's, men in I the d- comedy community, I feel like. Yeah, women and men. I think probably is especially men. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I don't know if they still do it, but when I used to work at UCB uh, Franklin, uh, the guys at ASCAT would always ask the audience, <clears throat> this is about 100 to 110, 15 people. They would say, who here has been groped or hit on by Andy Dick? And there was never once when two or three hands didn't go up. And this is in, you know, out of 100 Crazy. random people in Hollywood, one or two of them have been at least hit on yeah. by Andy Dick. Well, the biggest one was uh, the iOS, RIP. The, and the back theater was Andy Dick Theater. Yeah. Until Andy Dick went to the bar <laughs> and made an ass of himself and, like, groped <laughs> a bunch of people and was, like, an asshole. And they changed it as, like, an act of defiance. Like, well, fuck you, dude. <laughs> I, know I mean, they knew he was a sleazeball yeah. before they oh, changed exactly. it way I before. I know that's, like, the, the biggest one, like, to date. But in my mind, the biggest one is when he um, he sexually assaulted a girl in Marietta, which is near my home, not my hometown, but near where my parents live in Menifee. So he, like, pulled down a girl's tube top in a Buffalo Wild Wings. That's the one I remember about Andy Dick is that he was drunk and he Thanks. he was probably high on cocaine as he probably always is and for whatever weird reason he's at a Buffalo Wild Wings in Murrieta. 
Mariana is in Riverside County. It's in bumfuck nowhere. It's on your way to Temecula, which has Pechanga <laughs> Casino, which is the only reason I could think that he's out there. That's crazy. I bet if you asked him, he wouldn't know how he was out there. He, yeah, it's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> last thing I remember, I, I was, was downtown in L.A. Yeah. And <laughs> I was interning at iOS once, and I was walking up the steps of the back theater, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, somebody just jumps on my back. And I thought what? for a second that it was like a friend of mine. Like, it was a light person. So I thought it was like yeah. a girl or somebody that I knew. <laughs> and, and, and that for just context, like, it's kind of a dark, scary alley. Yeah. Nobody should be jumping on your back yeah. in, in downtown I was in the alley. I was like walking. And so my f- initial thought was, holy shit, I'm going to fall and I'm going to crush this person to death. <laughs> and so like I was like, ah. And the and the person on the, my back just goes, just take me upstairs. So I was just like, <laughs> okay, like I'll just, I guess I'll just do this. And I put them down. It's Andy Dick. Andy Dick literally walked up to me and jumped on my back. Oh my god! And wow. Like, well, and that's like, kind of an assault. Right? Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't even like it was like it was kind of like he just wanted to ride, I guess, upstairs. He's crazy. And still, he's crazy. Yeah. If you if you ride someone without asking first, I can I have a ride? That's yeah. assault. Yeah, um, I guess it's true. I mean, he was super I guess light. He's, yeah, cocaine really makes he's, you he is sort really of charming. You out, yeah. When when somebody does that and you see it's Andy Dick, you're like, oh, okay. all right, yeah. Well, I literally as soon as I knew it was him, I was like, well, here's my story. So I'm just gonna go. Yeah, on. here's your Andy Dick <laughs> yeah. story. Yeah. Um, back to Bryn. Okay. That was right. a nice. Yeah. I forgot that we were doing that. No, no, it's okay. Andy Dick. I mean, who can't talk about him for so hours? Andy Dick. So she was taking a dark dive towards Andy Dick territory. And Andy, yes. Yeah. Um. So she. She goes to rehab. It doesn't really work out, which really just means like she probably just left. Um, and she just keeps drinking and doing like coke here and there. Like she insisted she didn't need to go to rehab, and that's why she left. So she was like, I don't have a coke problem. So she just wouldn't do it every like day. It. I well, just like was, it. Also, wasn't she like blaming a lot of her issues on Phil at that point? Like she was like, I'm not, my they acting were just, career isn't working out because of you. My, my writing I mean, that career was, isn't working that out. Was a, that was a, always the constant. Like it was kind oh, of like, always. they were just okay. like fighting all the time. And then, yeah, it got worse at that point. Obviously, if you're fighting all the time and like he was becoming ever more and more like reclusive um and so he That's would deal tough. with his problems like he he had the hobbies of like he had cars and by then he had gotten his pilot's pilot's license and he loved going to catalina like he had a little jet and he would go to catalina with his friend and he loved pot so like when they would argue she would go and she would go get drunk and do some coke and he would go smoke some pot and then they would just stay away from each other until they like saw each other again and fought again. Now, see, this shows that you, when your partner should really be into the same drug you are. Totally. Exactly. He should have done coke and they <laughs> he should have done- been doing coke. Yeah. Well, they I could was have mended sh- both and done heroin together, and they would have the relationship would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, they would have just fell in balls. <laughs> uh, I was thinking they should have both just gotten high, and then none of this oh, would yeah, ever happen. Oh yeah, that would better. I see what you're saying now. <clears throat> <laughs> but yeah, they or or both on uh, speedballs and uh, horse tranquilizers. So, um, did she have like was like because the shooting is kind of crazy because it was like I mean I know they were fighting a lot, but they didn't really say in the snap thing that there was any sign of like she was being abusive or 
she had any violent tendencies. She did. Oh, um, Jesus. At least this snapped episode. Phil Phil told his friends like during um newsroom news radio um that she was getting worse and worse and like he there were times where he had to restrain her and one time he came in he had scratches all over his face um Jeez. which is a bitch for the makeup person yeah yeah that's who complained about it or the writers they, <laughs> or the, the writers, writers had to how figure out how to explain this yeah. somebody get a cat <laughs> get a cat in the script yeah. <laughs> that's a good idea <laughs> bill mcneil gets a cat <laughs> Um, so yeah, so domestic violence. So there was a little bit of it. I don't think it was like a lot, but I think because they fought so much, she would lose control and probably like go at him. But that's still like today. It's like the biggest predictor of somebody's going to kill someone is if they're, they do a violent act to their partner. Was he ever violent to her? Not from what, not from what anybody says. I think it's, it was probably normally that her losing her mind because when you're on coke all the time, no, that's true. Like you get violent even when you're not a violent person, and it's you would somebody, probably hold her down or something. I think somebody on on one of the th- little clips on YouTube I watched said um, that he would kind of shut down when she would get yes, and and that would make her get more, you know, upset. Yeah. So I think yeah. they had this dynamic where. She would go higher and higher and higher, and he would just shut down and shut down and shut down, probably to the point where she was like, "I'm leaving," and he's like, "Fine, I'm going to sleep." And exactly, then yeah, yeah, exactly. He would have, just, even on the night that they like that he that she killed him, they had gone in a fight, and that's exactly pretty much what happened. Yeah, he went to sleep. New meaning to the phrase: If they go low, you go high. You <laughs> <laughs> went low, and she was like, "All right, well then, I'm just gonna shoot you in the head. That's my high." <laughs> Um, it was even like uh, uh, when he was on news radio with Vicky Lewis, who was also on the show. She was dating Nick uh, Nick Nolte at the time, and yeah. she said that they would talk to each other. Phil and her would talk to each other about like how he would come in and he would be like, "How do you deal with this?" Because Nick Nolte was also notoriously abusive. Um, oh, to Vicky was he Lewis. also yeah fucked up and on he was drugs? Like, yeah, and he was an alcoholic. So. He, they would just talk to each other about it, and he was the she was the one that he had confessed to. Like they were always having problems, and she did become kind of abusive and all that, and that he didn't know how to stay with her anymore because, um, in Phil's eyes, addiction wasn't a thing. He didn't see addiction as oh, okay. he saw it as kind of he was one of those people that saw it as like why can't you just be happy? A choice, you know, yeah. a choice. Choose yeah. to stop. Yeah. Whereas she obviously struggled with it forever. And I think that probably um, was a big part of the downfall that happened is where he never understood or sympathized with her a lot. He saw her as weak kind of for it. Um, Which just added fuel to the fire. Exactly. Didn't I hear, or am I misremembering, that um, on 30 Rock, Alec Baldwin's character was based off Phil Hartman. Um, you know, being kind of a, you know, a gruff, like a Phil Hartman character, you know, like a yeah. strong male. Right. It presence. was that he, um, the news radio thing, Tina Fey had originally written it to be two news, news anchors. One was more Republican leaning and one was more Democrat leaning. And the Republican leaning one was going to be more towards, um, Phil's character in news radio and Phil in general as like more of like a, you know, a stoic person. So mm-hmm. yeah, she had 
Um, not necessarily like completely influenced by Phil Hartman, but more like just, you know, like you said, um, like it wasn't like written like this is Phil Hartman's character, but it was like influenced by him. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yes. I was thinking that because I remember this one episode where, um, oh, whatever his character's name is, I forget. Jack uh, Donaghy. Donaghy was like, there's no such thing as peanut allergies. Yeah. You, you <laughs> yeah. just have to tough it up. I right? had a wicked peanut allergy. Yeah, I eat peanuts every day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that sounds like what, what Phil was basically <laughs> saying about addiction. Yeah. That is basically what he said. Yeah, I do coke every day. You don't see me addicted, Bryn. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. I one time had I was driving with a friend of mine, a comedian, John Shevsky. We were driving with his grandfather, and the grandfather just nonchalantly mentioned that he used to do meth in college to help him study, get alert, and study for tests. And he was like, and I wasn't addicted. <laughs> I didn't get addicted to it. I was just like, what? <laughs> you did meth? Like, why not? Proof. Why Why did you go to meth? Like, <laughs> it was the most random thing. So, yeah, I think there are people out there who are just like, oh, it didn't affect me, so I'm fine. Well, yeah. People do drugs and don't get hooked, but yeah. it, it, some people yeah. will have a different, uh, I don't know if it's a chemistry or a yeah a uh, type of personality. It's like a loaded gun, I think, when you when you have that, the issues that she has, when you have that sort of dependency on that, you know, on that, uh, on needing like a, a, a good feeling, and then you get this drug that sort of gives it to you. And they always mm-hmm. say that you chase your first high, right? That's what they like. Yeah. They say that in like all the intervention shows that I watch. So it's like the first time she did it, she must have felt like a rock star. She must have felt how she would thought it would feel to be like an actress or like mm-hmm. you know. And then to now, have confidence. Yeah, and now she's constantly chasing that, and so it just re- yeah, the cycle repeats itself. Yeah, and to have somebody and, who yeah. just who the person you're supposed to be the closest with who just completely ignores you all and also negates all of your issues you also know you know you're you're not happy with where your life and career is and you're turning 40 and yeah. you're yeah. like start to panic yeah i'm talking about myself right now yeah. <laughs> and your kids <laughs> you still can't figure out it. where to shit that's like the toilet's right there you're howled <laughs> you still miss the toilet like you can't figure that out you know so. Your kids might have an ounce of fat on them, and yeah. then the dad oh won't love them. Oh my god, that's enough to shoot <laughs> yourself in the face. I think that's what triggered her. What if I her. raise a couple of fatties? <laughs> I think that, yeah, I think that's what triggered her. She's pinched the, <laughs> the fat of her kids, and she was like, "All right, did you eat? Yeah. <laughs> How could you?" <laughs> okay, so um, in April, uh, Brent starts taking Zoloft. The psychiatrist uh, prescribes it, um, but. She complains that it makes her feel worse. It get it, like agitates her, and the doctors like later on would say that it caused something called um, akathisia, which feels like being tortured from within. A oh, doctor, Jesus. a doctor described it as like if if it were nails on a chalkboard all day inside of you. Oh my god. God. And it gave her insomnia, obviously, if it's giving you that. So then she yeah, would nap during the day. I mean, stop immediately, right? She's <laughs> um, nails on a chalkboard inside you. She was still doing cocaine. She was still yeah, mixing it with alcohol. And so now it's Zoloft, cocaine, and alcohol. The cocaine's not every day, but it's it's still there. And then alcohol is like a even a beer a day with something like that that's already causing you problems, I'm sure it doesn't help. Yeah, those 
uh, I just I don't know what they do or what they're made of, but SS SSR SSRIs I inhibitors. Yeah. They really fuck with your chemistry. Yeah. They're not good. Yeah, well, that's the whole point. Is it's because it's your brain chemistry that's fucking you up. So it's yeah. either it has to uh, affect your chemistry because it's che- essentially trying to change the way that your brain processes things. Yeah, and then if you're mixing it with booze and all kinds yeah. of shit, if yeah. you're changing Just- another mind-altering substance. Yeah, it's the SSRI stands for Selective Serotonin. Reuptake inhibitor. Reuptake inhibitor. And so, I've seen commercials. That sounds familiar. Nobody knows exactly what an SSRI does except for that. They know that, hey, it takes your serotonin and it boosts it up. It makes makes some people feel better. Yeah. It's like that. Some people feel worse. It's like that South Park episode (laughs) where they have the underpants elves (laughs) and they're like, first step one. Steel underpants. underpants. Step two, question mark. Step, step three, three, world domination. <laughs> and it's like, that's basically it. Step one, take the SSRI. Step two, question mark. Step three, feel better. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like, true. Not, no idea how it Or how it shoot yourself. Yeah. One or, of those two. Yeah. 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 And Only one of those two. SSRIs, I mean, they work for some people. They work for, they don't work for others. Some people need them and Some people need them. swear by them. But, but like, you got to be careful. This was back, yeah, exactly. Because this was back in the time, like we were saying earlier, when Zoloft was just like being given out like candy. You know, if you went into the doctors, you came out with Zoloft. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was the hot drug of the Yeah. Season. So then she gets a nose job. She stops taking the Zoloft. But that's another problem because you can't stop taking Zoloft <laughs> you can't right away. Stop. You can't just stop. Stop that was a Bart Simpson's thing. <laughs> he was taking some drug, and they're like, "You can't just go off the drug." Yeah, yeah you got. Yeah, you got to wing yourself off any drug. Oh my kids. gosh! <laughs> yeah, all you four-year-olds watching this, <laughs> when uh, you when you go on your SSRIs, which you will because you're a four-year-old uh-huh. watching, listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> you might need it if you're yeah. four and you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> Do not just go off of it cold turkey. <laughs> so you have to wean yourself down. You have to wean yourself. So did down. she wean herself down? No, she stopped. Like Cold she, turkey. Like she got the surgery and then she just she just stopped. Right. That's crazy. Oh, Sometime God. after that, she talks to her psychiatrist about it, and the psychiatrist is like, "Oh, cut the dosage in half." So now it's really unstable. She's taking it. She's not taking it. She's taking half. Blah blah blah. Don't they give you something when you get a nose job, like morphine or some painkiller? Yeah, something? they give you. Anytime you have, but sometimes they'll give you like uh, a really mild, depending on the pain. Probably not back then and probably not in Hollywood. Oh, yeah, that's true. Also, there's a thing called... Not mild, you mean? I forgot the the term for it, but there is a thing where like any kind of surgery, you have a dip in like your brain, in your serotonin, and so you become depressed after surgery. So they say that because like you have like this initial high when you you know, wake up because you're like, I don't know. It's like there's a part of you uh, rotting in a trash can somewhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a part so, of you literally died. <laughs> so your brain, like, actually legitimately, like, goes through a change, a shift, and you become more depressed for a bit. So if you're, or, like, the only reason I know this is that when I had surgery uh, for to remove my gallbladder and then also to remove a cyst from my ovary, I had to go to therapy beforehand for both times because they were and i was in the hospital for the first one and they had to have a therapist come and talk to me because they were worried that like because i am clinically depressed they were worried that like after the surgery 
I could be dive into a deeper depression and then, you know, not be able to get out of it essentially. So it's like this whole thing where you have to do that. But I'm sure that now that I talk about it, it's a long ass way to go there. But now that I talk about it, I'm sure with Hollywood, they were just like, yeah, you're fine. We'll just give you a crisp high five. She, when just, you come out of she went to Dr. Nick. Yeah. Hi, everybody. You have a dangerous amount of nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Nick. Yeah. No, your nose is not as ugly as it was. <laughs> now you're perfect, except for your chin. Um, um, so a few more things before the death. She, They were fighting a lot more. She had a private detective follow him to Catalina because she thought he was cheating on her. And he thought, or she, or sorry, she thought he was cheating on her. And she thought that he might have been gay because he always went to Catalina with like a buddy of his. And they would just take like a half of a pot and just get super high. And you know, and that's all they would do. Huh. <laughs> Whoa. There was a Troy McClure Simpsons episode where uh, the, he marries Selma and she's like, and he yeah, won't yeah. sleep with her. And, and she's like, are, are you, you gay? gay? And yeah. he's like, I wish. If I was gay, there'd be no problem. What I have is some abnormality. And it's, it sounds it, like it's yeah. almost like a reference to him it going to Catalina. Much, yeah. it, was, it was something about him fucking fish, which they never say on the episode <laughs> of The Simpsons, but it was alluded to several times. That's, That's so funny. Maybe he was a fish fucker. Oh, Maybe. That could be. Maybe. But yeah. whatever the okay. case, he was not gay. <laughs> Probably not gay. Not gay. And well, what sex were the fish? Um, <laughs> what gender fish? Yeah, what's, yeah, what what's gender sex fish? fish? Okay, <laughs> so in May, Phil's dad passes away. Mm. She's dealing with with the just her own problems in general. She tries to check into Promises Rehab, but there's no vacancy. And for whatever reason, she doesn't try another rehab. What? Aww. They um, turn people away? If, yeah, like, you, yeah. Because they can, they they only have, especially a place like Promises, that's in Malibu, they only probably, have like 16 those beds are the probably. demand ones? Those are the really the nice ones. Exactly. Those yeah. are the really nice ones. You don't want to <sighs> go to like a shitty rehab. You don't want to go to a low, a second rate rehab. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> you don't. You really don't. <laughs> you don't want to go to agreements, which is just a nope. low rent version of Promises. <laughs> it's just like, here, we just give you. An agreement that you probably will get sober. <laughs> um, yeah. Perhaps you, you it's just a rehab. tent in the yeah. woods. Yeah, <laughs> Figure it out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so so she basically treated the, her sobriety like she treated her acting, where she was like, I want to I be sober. Well, we don't have room here. All right, well, then fuck it. I'm not going to do it. That's fine. I'm not going to try any other place. <laughs> exactly. So they're having all these issues. May 27th, 1998. Um, Bryn has made plans for her and Phil to go to a spa. This was the day after she had tried to check in the promises and it didn't work out. Um, so the, spa day is like, it's almost like rehab. Yeah, it's almost like rehab. So <laughs> Phil calls her um, on his way home and he's like, hey, I'm going to go stop by like where my boat is and this and that or where he kept his... Uh, his cars and his and his plane. Um, and she's like, okay, that's fine. Um, she decides to go out and meet a friend for a drink. And she's only going to Buca de Beppo, which is like oh, really close to Buca de Beppo. Oh. But they do family share, so she had like a tub <laughs> for alcohol. 
Like she was like, <laughs> she had so <laughs> much. Just one drink. Yeah, just yeah. one drink is Make like actually serves five. So uh, <laughs> that's you, where she went. Just wrong. one Andy Dick sized drink, please. <laughs> <laughs> so she leaves the kids at the babysitter and she goes out um, and she meets her friend who's a female, for like an hour and a half, they hang out, and then the girl goes home. Bryn's not ready to go home, so she calls her friend Ron Douglas. And Ron Douglas and her are like friends from like way back when. They used to do drugs together. They, they've still, they've remained as friends because they had both sobered up. Ron was now like a stunt guy. He was totally fine. He had his shit together. Um, so Ron knew Phil, and they were all fine together. Um... Even though Phil was a jealous guy, he didn't mind if Bryn hung out with Ron for whatever reason. And, you know, Phil's whole thing was like, hey, don't give my wife any cocaine because she can't handle her drugs. No. <laughs> and <laughs> since you're it. so ugly, yeah. I know she's not going to fuck you. Yeah, so. yeah you can have, have sex it. with her, just don't give her cocaine. I mean, <laughs> so I don't know why the author of the book I was reading uh, for him like made it a point to mention that like Phil was fine with Ron hanging out with him. As long as she didn't, he didn't give her any cocaine. Like, oh, obviously, it makes, it makes him look so good because he's fine. He's secure in their relationship enough to not have, to not need her to, you know, not worry about her hanging out with other men. But he's worried about her safety. <laughs> so that's the only reason. It's like you can hang out with her, just don't give her drugs. But he wasn't doing drugs, was he? No, he wasn't doing drugs. So she called him. So she called him, and he's like, "Yeah, come on over. Uh, we'll hang out for a little bit." She goes over to Ron's house. They hang out for a while, um, and then he, she eventually goes home, sells home. Um, during, at some point during the night, this is all, I think this is assumed, because no one was there except the kids. They got into an argument, Phil and her, because then Phil goes to sleep. Like, Wait, they got an argument before she went out? No, she after, goes home. After she went home, yeah. after the, her yeah. late night? It wasn't really that late of a night. Okay. It was still like 11 or whatever. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. Okay. So when Odds they, are that's probably exactly what is that they got in a fight and he was just like, I'm going to go to bed. He, he, yeah. So he goes to bed. She stays up. Um, drinks more, man. Drinks more. They assume does more cocaine. They couldn't tell from the autopsy if she had done more cocaine exactly like that night because cocaine has like a, you know, fast half-life like a short half-life especially in the body so sometime um around 3 a.m she gets a gun out of their like that they have in their master bedroom and she looks down at him from her side of the bed and she shoots him three times the first uh shot it strikes him like on the right side of his neck Another hits his arm, goes through his arm, and re-enters through his chest. That one was fatal. And the last one goes above the bridge of his nose. And that was also fatal. Um, we say that when they found him, he seemed to be almost smiling, like he was having a silly dream, because he never woke up, obviously. She, 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 just, she just shot him in his sleep. Um, and then... An hour after she shoots him, she calls Ron again. And she tells him that Phil isn't home, but that left a note saying that he'll be back and I love you. 
So she has to come over. And Ron's like, no, you can't come over. It's too late. You can't leave the kids alone. Because the kids are in the house. They've been asleep the whole time. And he tells her to drink some milk and some aspirin and go back to sleep. Um, Then 20 minutes later, Ron hears a banging on his door. And it's Bryn, and she's outside. She doesn't have any shoes on. She's all disheveled. She's just clutching her purse. And she can tell, he can tell that she's drunk. He opens the door and he looks really mad, obviously. And she says to him, don't yell at me. Phil yells at me all the time. So she tries to sit down. (laughs) I'll show you what happens to people that yell at me, motherfucker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's the first thing she said. Don't yell at me. Don't yell at me. He did something bad. Don't be mad. So she... Walks in. She tries to sit down on the sofa. She just slides right off. And she's crying. And she's hysterical. Oh, because she's upset. I thought it was because she was, like, covered in blood or something. She doesn't have any blood on her. Because okay. she, she was far away enough where she wouldn't have any blood on her. Gotcha. Um, if it was, like, a king-size bed. You know? Yeah. Um, so she's crying. She's really drunk. Ron's, like, he was already asleep. So he's, like trying to process this. Um, did he she, go up and like, did she show him? Show well, hold on, hold on. him? Oh, we're not there yet. No. Um, she says something through her, like her tears of saying like, I killed Phil, but she doesn't like, he doesn't even pay attention to it. Cause she just thinks that he's being hysterical and that they got into another fight and she's just there to blow off steam. And then she kind of starts passing out. So he keeps her up. And then she runs to the bathroom and she vomits. And this continues for a while. She nods off. She wakes up. She vomits. And then um, he just tries to sober her up. He gives her water. He gives her tea. Finally, around 6 a.m., um, they like she seems sober enough to drive home. Oh, but actually, before that, she starts rummaging in her purse at some point, like between these, you know, like two and a half hours. She rummages in her purse, and then as she's looking through it, the gun falls out. Oh, jeez. Ron picks up the gun. Very cinematic. Yeah. yeah. Ron picks up the gun, and he, uh, he opens it, and he sees that all the cartridges are there. So he's like, oh, thank God. Um, and he puts it away. He puts it away in his bedroom or in a cabinet somewhere. Finally, at 6 a.m., when she seems sober enough to drive home, he tells her that he'll go home. Or she tells him, I'll go home if you follow me. So he agrees, and she says, you should bring the gun. Then he gets the gun again, and then he notices. This, is, this time he checks the chamber again. He notices that two of the bullets are gone. And later he realizes, later they'll show that it's three. But he only oh saw two. So he follows her home. He puts the gun in his trunk, follows her home in his car. She drives hers. She pulls into the garage. He parks on the street. And then they go into the house together via the garage. She goes straight to the master bedroom. He follows her in. He sees Phil and he sees the gunshot in his head. And she starts screaming 
oh my God, I really did it. I killed him. Like, why did I do that? I can't believe I did that. I don't know why I did that. Um, oh, now she sobered up a little bit? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Also, on the way home, she had called her friend, and she she's told him, I think I killed Phil. Or she told her, I think I killed Phil. So that friend, you know, hung, hangs up, gets in the car, and heads to that, towards the house. So then... Ron is in the hallway. He realizes he sees what the scene in front of him, and there's a phone in the hallway. So he finally picks up the phone and he calls nine one one. So let me pull up the transcript of him calling. Um, is it pretty funny? No. Is it? He does <laughs> a voice. He does a voice. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he does his Phil Hartman. It's a sketch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like a, it's a sketch. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's like if if you were like you know really drunk and blacked out and you come to like imagining, yeah. yeah, not knowing or having full comprehension of what happened. Yeah, that's terrifying. Thanks. So Ron calls nine one one and he says, "Hi, this is five zero six five Encino Boulevard, and I was called over to the residence. I think there's been a shooting here." And dispatcher says, okay, do you see a victim? Yes. Okay, hold on for the paramedics, okay? One moment. Okay. I want you to stay on the line. Fire department, fire department emergency operator, how may I help you? There's been a shooting at 5065 Encino Boulevard. How many people are shot? Just one. You know which part of the body? I think around the head and the neck. I just got here. The person who shot him, is he still around? Yeah, she's his wife. The wife shot him and they're both there? Yeah. Is she hurt at all? I'm not sure. I'm trying to calm her down. And then it goes on from there. And he explains that she was drunk and she came over and that he has the gun because she gave it to him. So then for some weird reason, like I guess the garage door closes behind you or something in their house. He is locked in in the house ron ron is locked in the house with bryn bryn shuts the like she's just in the master bedroom it's like a gated community wait no. was this in new york or la 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 and it's not the community he's locked in the house he's locked in her. the house okay and it's like a private they're in encino it's like a like a private residence it's not part of a big gated community i don't think um so he can't get out of the house she's hysterical he goes he wakes up sean the little nine-year-old boy. Oh, God. Who does? The mom? Ron. Oh, Ron. Ron, because he makes his way away from the master bedroom. He doesn't know what to do at this point. And then also, he's assuming there's only one gun, and he has it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, he wakes up Sean. He, for whatever reason, doesn't wake up the little girl, probably because she might cry, I would assume. Yeah. She's six. She might cry if she hears mom cry. How old was the boy? Nine. Oof. Um. The little boy knows where the spare key is. So he goes and gets the spare key and they get out of the house. By that time, the police are there. They're all kind of surrounding the area outside. A couple of Bryn's friends are there that she called. Um, he hand, Ron walks out with Sean. He hands over the gun. And then the police start kind of surrounding the perimeter of the house and closing in. 
And the daughter's still in the house? The daughter's still in the house. Um, and then Bryn is on the phone with her sister, and she's kind of just telling her sister, tell my kids I love them, uh, and I'm sorry. The police go into the house. Bryn has the door shut by now. They can hear her crying and screaming. But in the bedroom. In the bedroom. Um, but they don't make like a... They don't open the door right away. Instead, they clear out all the other rooms because Ron tells them Bergman, their little girl, is still in the house. So they clear out all the other rooms. They get Bergman out. And then they announce themselves to Britt. And they say, this is the police. They call her by her name. And then you hear her hang up the phone on her sister. And then just a minute later, when we can assume that she gets into bed with him, she pulls the trigger and uh, takes her own life. And that's it. That's. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. So that's the story of Bryn and Phil Hartman. Really sad one. Like, very sad Hollywood tale. Yeah. Don't do coke, do weed. Yeah. Yeah. Also, one gun per household. <laughs> Just one gun. <laughs> Just one gun. Just one gun. Uh, Maybe no gun, depending on, yeah, you know. You know, really, ju- judge... You, judge your relationship. You think you can live your life without yeah. a gun in your house? <laughs> I gotta be honest, though. I've never felt better about myself being a light sleeper or a lightish sleeper because, like, she was drunk. She came into the house. She was trying to find the gun. She, you know, I would have been up and been like, "What the hell's going on?" Yeah, like, that's true. He must have been Phil sound Hartman asleep. Was, yeah, he was just dead to the world, literally and figuratively. <laughs> I hope it was a good dream. To ignore her fighting. Yeah. Just like slept like a rock all the time. Yeah, that's true. I mean, probably that was like his defense mechanism was just to fall asleep. Definitely was. He would just like go into his own world. Yeah. Also not the best way to deal with your upset partner. Yeah. They they both had some issues. Yeah. They had like a sad marriage. It seemed. It was, I think it just was one of those things where just that both of them were looking for the other person to be something that they weren't. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And Definitely. She needed us, she, need, she needed him to be like her, you know, like knight in shining armor. Mm-hmm. And he just wasn't that. No. And he was just worried about, you know, looking good in public. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of like having a partner that he could. You know, having a partner gives a shit about, or just yeah. having a partner. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, yeah. They didn't. He didn't deserve to get shot for it. No, 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 no one God, does. No. Just get a divorce. Yeah. I think one thing we can agree on is that Andy Dick. <laughs> what a hot hunk of man! <laughs> yeah. <he is. laughs> can we all agree? God, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hey, guy. Cool. So, Dave, where can we find you? Um, I'm, uh, at Dave Chacho on, uh, the stuff online and, uh, I have a podcast called Science AF, formerly the Science Jerks, um, which I do with my co-host Jesse Klein and, uh, it's fun. So check that out. If you're into podcasts, that's at Science AF pod, I think. 
And you do a lot of uh, stuff at the Pack Theater, too. Yeah. I'm a producer, and I work at the Pack Theater in Hollywood. A good place to be. Uh, I used to do stuff with you guys over at I.O. West. Yeah. When that was a thing. Um, Occasionally UCB show. And mostly just uh, high on my couch at home. (laughs) The way to be, Wishing I had better ideas. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, thanks for having me. This was really fun. Was um, great. I remember this happening, and it was uh, a formative moment in my life, and uh, really sad, but fun to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is one of those things where, when you look at it from both sides, it's it's hard to like, just like, man, this like, somebody if somebody would have just been like, okay, like you guys should leave, you you should you should just leave. Yeah, just not be together. You sober or, up. You move out. Yeah. One person in the relationship would have just been like, you know, enough is enough. But yeah. It's Yeah. Did, sad. Did the kids have the kids said anything? Or are they like, I forgive mom or I hate mom or anything in between? I didn't sign anything. The last I read was just that they moved to Minnesota with um Bryn's sisters. Sister. Well, one of the things that I, uh, from the Snapped uh, thing was that apparently there was this big deal with Zoloft. And so there was a lawsuit. Yes. Oh, there was a lawsuit. There yeah, was there was a lawsuit. And they ended up settling out of court. And the uh, the kids have uh, their inheritances that Z- is part of the Zoloft uh, uh, settlement. Lawsuit. There was yeah. also a lawsuit against the psychiatrist that prescribed her the Zoloft because they said that he wasn't supposed to prescribe her that for what a mild illness she had. Yeah. That sounds like a yeah. And after talking about being literally tortured from the inside, you would think you'd be like, "All right, let's <laughs> let's trail it back a little bit." I would tell you to stop, but these Zoloft ads are just so good, yeah, and they're specific to <laughs> your they're talking case. Right to you, yeah. Bryn. They're saying your name, Bryn. <laughs> they're literally saying you. So, all right. Well. All right. Uh, I'm at Felix in Furs on Instagram and Yo Maria Felix on Twitter. Uh, follow us, and if you like the episode, please comment, give rate us, rate those ratings, yeah. rate and review. review, subscribe, like, thumbs up, heart, all yeah. the things. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. Yes, tell the people you work with. All those people. Yeah, tell Andy Dick if you see him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell him to listen to this. See him, like to tell him that he should listen to this. We'd like to have him as a guest. Correct us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Feel free to correct us on his side of the story. Yeah. Please yeah. call in, Andy. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, call in. <laughs> uh, no, no, come here. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hang out. 